Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. There's a period of time when I used to play football, and before you gear up for battle, you put on the pads, the knee pads, the shoulder pads, the helmet, the jersey, and all these things because, you know, you can't just gear up and say, well, there, we're going to score. You have to get into the game. And when you get into the game, you've got to pay attention to what's going on. I mean, you have to know where the ball is at. You have to know where the ball is intended to be. What's the, the play that is supposed to get the ball there where it's supposed to go? And most importantly, it's how do you play with the team to get that ball into the end zone? You've got to know all this stuff. It's not just dressing up. You've got to get your head in the game, and you've got to get in there and know what's going on. When I say this, it's because that's how most Christians are. They say, well, I'm a Christian, but they're not doing anything. 95% of Christians have never told anybody how to be saved And a lot of the 95%, they don't even know how to tell somebody how to be saved. They don't know the first thing about it. Then back to football, I can remember we were out there playing, and there was this one guy. He was more interested in the girls that were up in the stands than he was in playing the game. And he was distracted. He could not get his head in the game. And so it cost the whole team. The coach snapped at this guy. He says, hey, get in the game. Focus on what you're doing. While you're here, let's be busy. So when everybody played effectively as a team together, we really got some things done. Okay, 1 Peter 1 and verse 13. He says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up your loins. You've probably heard of that before, but what actually in the world is it? Before battle, when men were going to go into battle, they had these long robes that they would wear. And what they would do is they would take up the loose ends that were hanging to the, to the ground, and they had like a belt or something. They would tuck it in. They would tuck it in around their midsection area. And the, the point of that was so that they could free their legs, so that they could run, so they could move, so they could take a, a battle stance and be ready for whatever. They could really move. So they would gird up. They would gird up their loins, and they would be ready for battle. So when he said to gird up the loins of your mind, he said, people are going to hate you for sharing the gospel of Jesus. They're not going to like you for it. So you need to gird up the loins of your mind. You need to be ready for that. If they're going to charge at you, you need to be ready to have a defense for yourself. If you need to move and go take the gospel of that guy over there, you need to move. Gird up the loins of your mind. So when Christians are doing the work of the gospel, they need to be tough-minded. They need to be prepared. And so they had to put on the proper gear to get the job done. And the start of this is to gird up the loins of your mind. 
Now, as far as being distracted on the field, so to speak, he said to set your hope on the grace of Jesus. Get your hope on the grace of Jesus Christ. Well, you know, I've got all this other stuff going on, all this stuff in the world that's trying to take ownership of your mind, trying to distract you to get you thinking about anything but the kingdom work of God. So if you don't have your head in the game, if you're too distracted by other things, then you're going to cost yourself a lot of progress getting the ball down the field. You're going to lose a lot of blessing. Lord God, where are you at? God, where are you at? And maybe God's going, well, where are you at? And so rest your hope on the grace of Jesus. It'll keep you focused. We were telling that knucklehead that was distracted, checking them girls out all the time, hey, get your mind on the ball and that goal line down there. Get your mind on what you're supposed to be doing. He said, rest your hope on the grace of Jesus Christ. Get your mind on what you're supposed to be doing. I want to show you something in Titus 2.11. Grace saves us, okay? But it also says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. Okay. The grace of Jesus Christ, not only does it save you, but it also teaches you to have self-control. You see people on TV losing their mind, everybody yelling at each other, everybody fighting and yelling, calling each other's names. That is not self-control. And I can't stand that that stuff is on TV because it teaches in opposition to the grace of Jesus that saves us. Our young people are being educated on how to lose their mind at the drop of a hat over every little thing, we'll just go absolutely crazy. If you're saved by Jesus, it teaches you how to say no to ungodly things. That's what grace does. Okay, that knucklehead guy that was more interested in the girls than helping us gain yards on the field, he didn't have the self-control enough to fix his mind on the goal. And it was very irritating for us on the field trying to, get, trying to win a game. When I see people calling themselves Christians and their mind is all over the place about any and everything except God, oh, but I'm a Christian. Prove it. You're going to wear that uniform? You're going to stand on the field with my team? You need to be helping. You need to be doing something. Don't just call yourself a football player and show up for a game and do nothing. If you're going to be on my team, you need to help. Get in the game enough to contribute to the rest of the team. Today, I see a lot of people, they're always reacting by their emotions, reacting by their feelings rather than having the self-control to, to conduct themselves according to God's word. But reacting out of anger, reacting out of hostility, like most people do, that is not self-control. That is not using the grace that is offered to you. So Peter's saying, rest your hope on the grace that you got from Jesus that's supposed to teach you how to say no to ungodly things that's going to teach you how to focus in on what you should be thinking about. Cut out the distractions, cut out the lust, get your head in the game so you can help the rest of the team advance the gospel. It's very frustrating seeing people out there today fighting with each other and arguing. I even see people on social media get mad at each other over some ridiculous subject, whatever it is, and say, well, I'm going to pray for you. And then the other guy goes, well, I'm going to pray for you. And then all these people that aren't believers are watching Christians destroy Christians, thinking, I want no part of this Christian stuff if that's what that is. And it's a terrible representation. 
they're not, they don't have their mind on the grace of Jesus Christ that would tell them, you do not fire back at that guy. You don't need to be in this argument. Grace teaches you don't do that. The kind of people that demonstrate absolute zero self-control in their behavior, they demonstrate that either they don't have the saving grace of Jesus that they think they do, or they're just flat outright ignoring it altogether. It's possible to be saved and ignore what God tells you to do, and it's very possible also to not be saved at all and think you are. So if you are a believer, if you're a truly real believer in Jesus Christ, for real, then gird up, get ready, be ready to move, be ready to take a defensive posture if you need to, gird up the loins of your mind, gear up for action, let's get out on the field, but don't run so haphazardly that it causes more trouble than good. Focus, rest your hope on the grace of Jesus that shows you how to compose yourself, to have self-control, and then you're going to be running in a way that helps the rest of the team. Christian believer, our self-control proves our salvation. While everybody's going nuts and we don't, they're going to say, how come you're not going crazy? Don't you see the government's taking everything away from us? Don't you see gas and groceries are going up? I'm not making any more money. What am I supposed to do? Ah, and they go nuts. And you don't? They want to know why. How come you're not doing this? How come you're not flipping out like everybody else? Well, I've got Jesus. Well, tell me what that means. They think they know until they look at you with your self-control. Then they ask, how do you do this? Now you've got the opportunity to share the gospel with them and tell them why you don't fly off the handle. And lust, think of that guy checking out the girls. You know, I mean, when you should be doing something else at that moment, lust is probably one of the most prominent forms of evidence of someone who has no self-control. Somebody who has no self-control, they're going to lust on something. They're going to lust after women they shouldn't be lusting for, or they're going to lust after money. Are they going to lust for title? Believers are to rest their hope on Jesus' grace, which teaches us to say no to these kinds of things. No to ungodliness. Let me say something to the men here. If every time you see a girl and it causes your tongue to hang down to the floor, you need to get control of yourself, men. If you're a truly saved Christian man, you are supposed to behave properly towards women the way a real man does. Tuck your tongue back up in your mouth. Clench your teeth together if you have to. (laughs) Compose yourself. Get your head in the game. Get in the game. Focus on grace. There's nothing more irritating than someone who wants to wear the uniform and run with the team, but they're so distracted that they will cost the team an entire game. I get upset at Christians that should know better. Now, I'm not talking about you should be doing better. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about Christians that talk the talk. I'm a Christian. Here I am. I'm a believer, and they're doing anything but the walk in the kingdom work. That's frustrating because you don't look any different from the world. When you go out in the world and people look at you and you call yourself Christian, and they go, well, you're no different than me. The unbelievers are like, you're no different. Why do I need to go to your church and believe in your Jesus and call myself Christian and have this faith if you look no different than what I am? Don't need it. And then you just lost that person. But this is why Peter said he instructed us to deny ungodly lust because lust will cause you to ignore the spirit of God's direction. 
But have you ever seen someone catch a football during a game? I've seen this, and they run the wrong way. But Peter is encouraging believers to serve as a team because there are some people as Christians, they're literally running the wrong way. And you're like, dude, what are you doing, man? Get over here. You're supposed to go that way. We're not supposed to be doing these things. Well, it looks fun to me. You're running the wrong way. If you're going to gird up your mind, then I'm glad you geared up for battle, but please make sure you run the way that grace tells you to. If you're going to gird up, and say, oh, I want to be a Christian, and I want to do things for God. If you're going to do this, take the time to learn the rules, know where you stand, what you're supposed to do, and which way you're supposed to go. It blows my mind. When the guy ran the wrong way, and then I see Christians, they claim to be this big Christian something that they're not, and they just run completely opposite. They helped the, uh, the opposition. You helped the enemy. You didn't help us at all. When you get out there and you bicker and fight and argue, you're not helping the Christians. You're helping the enemy run the right way. So gird up, yes. Get ready for action, you bet. But run the right way or else you'll just be helping the opposition. Having a lack of focus in the kingdom of God, not paying attention, not listening, not going to church, not praying, just kind of treating Jesus like some kind of a checkbox. There I did it. There I prayed before uh, my hamburger at uh, Whataburger or something. like that. You feel like that's a prayer life? That's not a prayer life, guys. Thank you, Lord, for this hamburger. Amen. That's not a prayer life. Well, there I did it. Check. I'm good. No, it's not good. (laughs) Get in there and help the team. Pray for your friends. Pray for your family. Pray for this nation. Whether you voted for this president or not, pray for the president of the United States. I mean, pray, guys. Get in. Don't run the wrong way, because if you do, that could contribute to the persecution of believers that you care about. If you care about everybody in this this church, everybody in this body of Christ, and you're not focused, and you run the wrong way, you give in to a lust or a distraction, you actually could be helping the persecution that comes against us. Help us. Help us do better. So if you want to play on the ball field of God's kingdom, gird up your mind, gear up for action. Cut out the distractions, set your hope on the grace of Jesus Christ so that we'll all be headed in the same direction together. And so Peter goes on to tell us that this preparation and mindset will help us to function, 1 Peter 1.14, to function as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. But what does holy mean? I like to define things. Holy means set apart. Okay, when we got on the football field, we didn't look like the people in the stands. We did not look anything like them. Everybody in the stands, they wore plain clothes, and and we didn't look anything like them. We had on football gear. We had on certain color. We didn't even have the same color as the other team. you got to know who you're playing against and with. So we would have a certain color. Don't ask me why the Alvin yellow jackets are orange. I have no idea. But we had to be set apart for a specific goal. We had to be geared up and focused in order to get the job done. And guess what, guys? The neatest thing about a football game is everything that we were doing, we did while people were watching us. People watched us. 
Christian, I'm going to tell you, people are watching you. You claim to be a Christian. You have Jesus in you. When you accepted him, they are watching you. And people were watching us, and that's what a football game is. It's a lot of people watching a unique group of people who are set apart, that are working together against an opposition, and they are trying to accomplish a common goal by going the same direction. Because we are set apart for a specific purpose. We're all going the same direction to achieve a common goal. We're trying to get the gospel to people and see people saved. And to do that, you got to gird up the loins of your mind. You got to focus and cut the distraction out. That takes work on your part. See, when I showed up for a football game, I didn't say, well, God, I hope you get the ball to the end of the field. God, take that ball, blow the wind or something, make the ball roll. We picked it up and had to run with it. You had to do something. And you had to do it coordinated and in harmony together. Christian, we can just sit around and pray for everybody to be saved. Oh, Lord, save this nation, save this nation. Okay, get in there and pick it up and go run with it. Do something, contribute to it. We're being watched. And when people see us work together, it intrigues them. They are looking at the ones that are set apart. Holy. So Peter said, be holy in your conduct. Get your mind on the grace, right? But he said, be holy. Be holy. That means don't be like everybody else. You can't be like everybody else and be a Christian. I'm not saying you can't hang out with people. I'm saying you can't be like them and call yourself a believer. Don't go around looking like everybody else. If you look like everybody else, nobody will notice you as different, and they'll never ask you. You'll never have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Don't live like the world does, like you did back in your former lust before you got saved. Peter called it your ignorance. So if you go back to your former lust, if you do that, you're not going to look like one of these guys in the fantastic-looking uniforms on the field. You're going to look like the average Joe. We're not supposed to look like average Joe. We're supposed to look like somebody that God saved and gave joy to. The average Joe is upset all the time. Look at the world going crazy. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. How do I pay my rent? How do I do this? How do... And they get all upset. We're not supposed to look like them. I got this friend. Put that picture up of that guy. That I think the picture's next. Y'all see that guy up there? He goes to baseball games dressed up like this in this really colorful Houston Astros suit. He's very animated, as you can tell. And he goes around pumping people up for the Astros. And he dresses like that to get everybody riled up, right? As you can tell by the picture, he doesn't look like everybody else. Now, if this guy come walking in dressed like that, I'm telling you, every one of you would look at this guy and go, who are you? (laughs) You could say that he is very set apart. He's trying to get people's attention to look at him. So it's like, I can't go dress normal. And this stuff that I wear says one thing. It says Houston Astros. Friends, we need to be wearing clothing. We need to be wearing the righteousness of Christ that says one thing, that says Jesus Christ. And it looks very different. People will look at you and go, what is with you? I'll tell you one thing, guys. I mess up every day. I'm the biggest sinner in the room. Don't get me wrong. But I'm trying to wear the righteousness of Jesus Christ so that I look very, very different, holy, set apart. Peter said, be holy. Let me ask you a question. If people see you in your life, can they tell who you're rooting for just by looking at you, by watching you, how you conduct your life? Can they tell who you're rooting for? Can they tell who you stand for? If they can't tell who you stand for, maybe reevaluate the way you live your life. 
If you want to show people Jesus, think, step outside the box for a minute and think, if people just look at me, can they tell that I stand for Jesus? Do they, do they recognize this about me or not? And let the Lord work with you, because if you don't really look like anything special, if you don't look set apart, you don't look holy, say, Lord God, I need help in this area. I don't know how to look holy. You're going to have to help me, and he'll help you. If you look like an average person, you won't be living holy as the Lord has called you to be. Nobody will see Jesus on you, and then you're not helping the rest of the team at all. we got to be holy. we all got to put on the same uniform, look the same, and let's go in the same direction. It'll help everybody out. God has called us all to be on the same team. So let our conduct be holy so that unbelievers will look at us and go, whoa, who is that? And then you get the opportunity to share with them. You're never going to spin anybody for Jesus by beating them over their head all the time. Jesus this, Jesus that, until you wear them out and give them a headache, and then they'd get sick and tired of listening to you. The way you're going to intrigue them is living holy, and they're going to go, man, you look different, and I want that. How do I get it? Now they just gave you permission to tell them. Peter also said, be obedient. So when he said, be holy, I think that means we better do it. He said, be obedient. Um, Parents, how many of you can't stand it when you tell your kids to do something and they just ignore you like you never said a word? Doesn't that just drive you up the wall? (laughs) I see looks out there. Oh, don't get me started, Ray. You're thinking. How do you think it makes us look to the Lord when he tells us to do something and we don't do it? You know, he commanded us to take the gospel out. He didn't suggest it. He didn't say, if you feel like it. He didn't say, if it's your thing. He said, do it. Obedient children set apart and holy. 1 Peter 1.17. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Peter is very direct. He's already called me ignorant. Okay, he's right. I was ignorant at a time. And he said aimless conduct. We were ignorant and aimless in our conduct because we were taught that. We learned it from our forefathers ahead of us. So I'm just glad that God judges without partiality because that means that rich people have no better shot of getting eternal life than a poor guy does. People who are upper class, they have more stature, they have more title, they don't get better blessings before any of us. God judges without partiality rich or poor, regardless of your color, your culture, or whatever. He judges without partiality. Thank God for that. Because if God judged us like men judges us, I'd be in trouble. I would probably be condemned right now. But your place in the kingdom of God does not depend on your status culturally or racially. God judges impartially. Now, back in the day when Peter wrote this down, when he, when he was giving this to his audience, Rich people really honestly believe that because they were so wealthy, that means God loved them more. That was how they really thought. And so they thought they were superior to poor people. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.